This is Lachlan Rouston. This is Raf Friedman. And you're listening to the fittest podcast in Australia, The Mind Muscle Project. All right, Mind Muscle Project, welcome back to another episode of In the Black. Today, we left you We left you hanging actually a little bit for uh, a moment there. And we left you hanging because we set you up with you know, the, the, the problems of, uh, I guess, an assessment, a diagnosis of business models. We t- we're talking about market. We're talking about models. We're talking about all the different prescriptions um, that you could potentially need to grow your business in the future. And obviously, we're welcoming Sean back as well to join this discussion with us to talk about uh, the solutions to, I guess, the analysis we made in the previous episode. So really what we want to do today is, obviously, we outlined all the different um, all the different levels of business you need to consider when running a successful, profitable company and brand. And now we want to give you a bit more of a solution. So something a bit more tangible that you can take away, something that's more practical, more useful. Um, and we want to start with, we're basically going to do somewhere, it's probably going to end up being like a five or six part series on this while we go through each one. And today we're going to combine the first two. So in our analysis, we talked about the market and the model. That's kind of really where you need to start, you know, thinking about the most broadest lens or the the biggest brushstroke you can take on this and then kind of really zooming in, narrowing down um, all the way to the finer details of your business. So today, we're going to start as broad as possible. We're going to talk about the market and the model um, and kind of the problems involved here and then getting into, I guess, all the, the all the solutions that could be helpful for you guys as well. So definitely start with this episode if you've kind of um, you know, not really heard the last episode, go back, listen to that first um, and then you'll have the solution, the prescription today to kind of uh, help guide you and, and help make your business more profitable. So, uh, Sean, why don't, you, uh, why don't you kick us off uh, with the diagnosis for market and model? Yeah, awesome. Well, uh, you know, this is the biggest issue I see that most, most every single business owner gets wrong. Uh, and everybody I know, including very, very smart, intelligent, you know, extremely successful business owners, it's so easy to get caught up in working on components and parts of your business. You're working on making your sales process better. You're working on your marketing. You're working on your team. You're working on all this kind of stuff in your business and not recognizing the most important thing of all is what your business runs on, which is demand really in the market. Uh, So where is the market and the model, which is how your business serves the market demand and channels that into revenue. And if you don't have those two things, right, those are the fundamental forces of what, why business exists. And if you don't get that right, if you don't fix it, if you don't tune it up, you don't make it fresh, nothing you do can fix the problem. Marketing is not going to fix it. Sales is not going to fix it. Your team isn't going to fix it right? It's just a dog. So you have to wake up. I kind of like to talk about, we're we're on Australia now. I like to talk about the example of surfing. I can't go to the beach and say, waves come to me. (laughs) I'm sitting there paddling out, waiting the waves come. It's not going to happen, right? There's a force of nature. I have to learn how to read the waves and I have to go where there are waves. And then I have to learn how to catch those waves. That is what being a business owner and entrepreneur is about. So You have to take your head up and start to look at the world around you. And you have to know when their waves are not breaking here and they're breaking over there and you better start moving in that direction or you're going to quickly find there's nothing going on and nothing you're going to do is going to fix the problem. You you can't be sitting out the ocean thinking waxing your board is going to solve the problem when there are no waves, right? There's Mm. nothing to surf. So dive into learning how to understand reading the market and the model. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, I mean, just to kind of add more to that point, not that there was much needed to be added, is, is really just I think when most people start is they just start with the model that they've done themselves. So they've, they've looked at some kind of version or gone to a gym that they like and then they go, okay, I'll make my version of that, which is, you know, way too narrow. You've skipped too many steps there. Uh, it's definitely the how we created Creature Fitness. We did that. Oh, here's a CrossFit gym. We can do it better. Um, and then it's a totally different approach to locker room. What does the market need? Who is being underserved? What models are out there? What's not working? Where is there a demand in the market? Let's uh, analyze our competitors, all this sort of stuff. So uh, we even looked international. Is there a demand for it overseas that's not being met here? So uh, totally different way to look at it. And then the results speak for themselves. Yes, this is where we talk about business strategy. It's where you should play the game uh, first and foremost when you want to be successful in business, right? Uh, so what's the problem going on? So we are in, uh, as of this recording, right, July 2021. We'll kind of keep this current context because this this is always shifting, right? So a year from now might be a different conversation, right? A year ago it was different. Two years ago it was different. This is always in motion, the market and uh, the model and how we, you know, get in front of the, the demand, get in front of the waves to surf. So the problem is, uh, you know, we've just been out of the last, one of these has been building for a long time, right? So especially with group training models, uh, you know, CrossFit had this massive rise for many, many years. And then everybody followed suit with like, you know, their own version of group hit training with a logo on the door of the wall, <laughs> right? And uh, you've seen incredible saturation in group training models, all for kind of the same price point, with their own kind of take on it. Uh, and you know, there's just one in every corner now, right? It's like a coffee shop. Uh, and, uh, that is a really difficult model because when there starts to be so much saturation in a model, it's hard to differentiate. There's so much competition on price. Your margins start going down. Uh, you get lost in the noise. Uh, and ultimately that's what burns you out and die. You know, that's where businesses go to die. So, um, you have to, be able to retool the thing um, and uh, notice that that's the wrong place to be with your model. Um, it's also uh, not a great place to be in the market, because you know, serving the customer because so many customers, you know, they've had multiple experiences of these kind of group training models for the same price point. Everybody's kind of doing the same thing. Um, and, you know, uh, I think there's a massive shift in people now that uh, do not want one size fits all experiences with fitness. They recognize the power. You know, we started, if you look back the last few decades, we kind of started in like the eighties with personal training, right. And very individualized fitness we moved into like two thousands with like group training models. And now we're coming back into more individualized experiences, right? The pendulum's kind of swinging again. So uh, we don't have to go all the way back to one-on-one -on -one training, although we're seeing that, but you need to go into individualized prescriptions, you know, diagnosis, experiences, and journeys. Uh, so, you know, I, I would say overall, if we would say there's like a 20 year swing from individualized training to high volume group training to now kind of this pendulum in the middle where we're getting that individualized prescription, but you know, the semi-private model is, is the opportunity right now. Um, and everybody that's hanging on to the, you know, the group stuff is, is finding it tougher, uh, to, mm. to be successful. Um, so, that's a big shift in the market and the models of opportunity right now. I would expect that trend to continue. I mean, these are like 10, 20 year shifts I'm talking about. So it's like, right. you know, it's not going to change tomorrow. It's not going to change in six months. Like this is going to continue for the next few years. Um, and then you got to retool again. Right. So uh, 
The other big shift that we've seen, um, and certainly COVID is a massive accelerator, is you look at in the growth of, you know, Peloton, right? Uh, and others, um, Tonal, Mirror, all these other, other things where you've got not only equipment and hardware, but you have software and programming. Um, and from a coach standpoint, you even have all these growth in software tools and apps for uh, coaches to serve markets uh, remotely. Uh, and you're seeing a massive shift of people that would go to a gym or a physical facility to train and to engage a coach or have programming. Now being able to do that from home and have a better experience that's more convenient, more time efficient, uh, allows for flexibility with travel, um, and all these other things that we can serve clients remotely um, through different tools uh, and systems to do so. Um, a lot of people also, I, I should mention, you know, they, they've asked about questions around, uh, am I going to be irrelevant because of these, you know, on-demand, you know, apps and programming and, and uh, you know, group classes and stuff. I, I think, you know, at the lower level you are, but there's always a demand for, you know, uh, individualized services, coaching support, right? So um, this is where I think coaching has a great power and will always have a great power. AI can automate like low end cheap price point, like bot stuff, but you can't replace like humans <laughs> really supporting other humans and the value of that. And so I think, you know, particularly anybody has high level coaching experience, uh, you have ability to scale beyond brick and mortar today uh, and serve a market in a more powerful way because smart consumers pay for exceptional services. If you're an entry-level beginner business owner and coach, you should not be playing the game here. You're going to get run over. But if you're an experienced coach um, and uh, you know you have the ability to position yourself as a subject matter expert, particularly for a specific defined market, doesn't matter who it is. It might be you know, moms, it might be athletes, it might be whatever. You have the ability to serve people remotely. Um, and the people that seem to do the best in this market, you know, that are consumers who, um, you know, who, who have some experience and, uh, um, you know, have, are looking for more programming solutions. They're not looking for as much social support. Um, mm. We see a lot of that, you know, it's more individualized. However, that being said, we have clients, you know, in, in even in the MP community, um, you know, that are doing phenomenal group models remotely and just killing it and have 3X, like literally 3X the business during COVID. So, um, you know, certainly the move from in-person to remote coaching, online coaching, and there's different models for delivery there. That's a shift that has, has you know, occurred and is continuing to see uh, traction. Uh, and I would, I would call those the big shifts in the industry the last year uh, or two. Um, so group to semi-private individualized and in-person to remote and online. Mm. And Sean, so I if I'm ask, the, oh, sorry, Brad, Sean, I'm sorry on, um, because obviously it can be hard sometimes to see a market shift. And in terms of like you're saying it's going from group to semi-private is one of the main reasons that uh, bigger players come in with more money and are doing the thing you're doing and don't necessarily need to make money straight away. Because I would assume if you if you have like a group gym and now you're looking at like a Barry's or like an Orange Theory and they seem to be able to like open up lots of locations, have a way nicer gym than you ever had and charge a pretty similar price point and can open lots of facilities. You know, and I'm guessing the first facility isn't making the money to open the second one and the third one. Like someone is funding this to open a bunch in one go. Like, is that what can be the kiss of death if you're in that type of market? The fact that you get drowned out by the bigger players? So let's talk about, it. there's kind of two things at play, right? So one is the shift of the consumer, right? What do they want? What are they willing to buy? What are they willing to spend? 
and where do they feel like they're going to have their needs met for a good value exchange? And the next is the service providers, right? So the business owners and the franchises versus independents, all those things and how we, how we engage to serve the market. I'd say both of those are seeing a lot of evolution. Uh, we talk about the group uh, to semi-private individualized. So the group model, group's been around for now a long time. Everybody's done some group thing. Generally speaking, you know, they've, they've turned and burned from more than one facility now in a group model. And um, everybody tries to kind of build a better, their better version of the mousetrap of that model. Uh, but it's just, you know, it's, it's tough because you can only do so much with a consumer for this price point, you know, and these four walls with these constraints. And um, I think there's a big shift too that consumer, because it's been around while, consumers are getting smarter, right? And they recognize that, a lot of the, you know, positioning of the secret sauce is is BS, and they want, you know, the, again, demand is shifting because they're getting more educated. They want a more individualized prescription and experience, and they recognize that one size fits all stuff does not make sense for grandma and you know, the working professional and the athlete and whatever, right? And just like we're gonna scale your workout only go so far, you know, like grandma should not be doing Olympic lifts today. I'm sorry. It's just not, we're not going to scale Olympic <laughs> lifts for grandma. It's not going to work. Um, and on the, at the operator level, you know, those guys are running problems too. I mean, they're all competing for the same customer and they're all going out the same way. And they're, they're kind of the same thing. You know, everybody tries to have their take on it, but it gets tough. I mean, and particularly uh, orange theory, I mean, exponential brand, Probably nobody does it better than the exponential brand uh, and the formula they've got and how they continue to rubber stamp out, you know, concepts and and more. Um, that's just an exceptional team, management team, and uh, and on all levels. Uh, Sorry, can you explain what that is, Sean? The exceptional brand. What's that? Uh, exponential. Exponential Sorry. is the parent company that owns multiple brands uh, and uh, founder. Great guy. You should hear um, his story, but uh, they. They are, um, you know, they they continue to spit out brands uh, with a great formula and buy buy brands and spit it out and franchise concepts with uh, Pilates and uh, other concepts. Um, uh, so you're gonna you are gonna uh, and so orange and Orange Theory is a separate separate brand, obviously player. But you know, Orange Theory is. I mean, we had you know guys would come in spend you know you see the the cost to open orange theory you're, you're going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to open up an orange theory in many markets in the u.s and you're looking at a you know a, they would show me like you know a five-year plath to roi on a on a franchise purchase of hundreds of thousands and i'll tell you what you are betting on a five-year roi this shit's going to change in a year yeah. let alone five years it's going to be fucking irrelevant you know so you it's like really scary to be making such capital investments in a model and concept that you don't get to own and the driver's seat on and is going to be out of date with as, as you know, as fast as this market is growing as competitive as this market is now in fitness. So those things scare me, uh, you know, for, for, uh, you know, as an, as an investor, if I were a mom and pop investor, uh, and, and, you know, and, and those kind of things, um, and you know, they're all in their problems, you know, I mean, you look at, you know, I mean, F 45, you know, Every business has a run and every business has a decline. And, you know, there's, there's, and the decline happens when you're very successful as an entrepreneur and as a company, the decline happens when you're very successful, you get stupid, 
you're not reinvesting enough in innovation, you're boxed into some type of positions you can't really go in, um, you know, and uh, it gets hard. Um, and businesses have life cycles, markets have life cycles, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's swells, and then there's dry seasons. And, you know, uh, all those things need to be considered and evaluated. Um, I think, you know, for the majority of your listeners, you know, that I'm, I'm thinking is kind of the, the average, you know, uh, mom and pop, you know, uh, owner operator who wants to grow a business or looking at how they can, you know, be more effective right now. The, the advantage you have over the big brands is you, you know, you don't have all of their money. You don't have all of their branding and operational systems and team and market intelligence. But what you do have is you're not stuck in, you know, massive agreements that can't be untangled in leases that are like, you know, five, 10 year things. And, you know, this is where you, where you, you, you know, there's power in size and scale, but there's also a lot of liability and death. Right. And it's where you saw COVID just kill brands that were killing it that are, you know, done. Cause you can't get out of real estate very quickly. You're, you're you know, you have huge operational costs and payroll, you have huge overhead costs and assets and equipment and things. And you're just, you know, market shift, you can't shift, you can't turn an aircraft carrier like it can turn a jet ski in the ocean. Right. Mm. So, um, that's where as an independent, you know, with good strategy and, you know, plugging into the right networks and resources and support, you know, like I think that we offer at MPE, you can get, you can get out in front of this stuff and, uh, you know, ride good waves and stay ahead mm. of the trends and, you know, and, and innovate and evolve quack quicker um, than if you're stuck in some of those um, things that can be limiting or difficult um, down the road. Yeah. Yeah. I know one of the things, I mean, I probably think maybe too far ahead sometimes and then what's realistic, but um, I always like to think ahead of, for these exact reasons, right? Is that I think because the fitness industry is so young, what well, let's call it best case 30 years old, uh, you've got, so you've got so few brands that have successfully sustained you know multiple pivots and multiple shifts in the market i mean even if you take something like crossfit that was like they owned the market they created a whole market like even they have like they're dying right so nothing in my eyes has actually managed to i even know loads of anytime fitnesses in australia are like starting to have to change their model and how they lay out the gym and different sections and stuff like everyone is having to pivot no one's really safe everyone. really the only the only brand i feel like has done half decent at sticking around and, and you know this better than me if they're still going well is gold's gym like they've still done pretty well but I, I actually i actually don't know but at least from a branding perspective they haven't completely destroyed themselves like some of the other other brands that's, but their, I, we just... that's their main asset is the brand uh they've had their own problems and you know they, they got sold uh by the way uh so they're the uh the ceo for the last few years before they got sold is a friend of mine uh adam and uh was uh, was the ceo adam um and i'll tell you i mean they were they're owned by a group that um they were owned by a group that a guy owned uh omni hotels in the u.s and you know gold's gym is a little 300 million dollar brand it was wasn't wasn't worth peanuts compared to what they had in hotels. Uh, it was a, but, uh, and, and they ran into some problems for a few years with, um, acquisitions of different models and absorbing them. And they had some leadership that kind of started to started to dilute the brand and they did some acquisitions of different gyms and rebranded. They shouldn't have done stuff, but the real value, you know, gold is a great example of the value and the brand equity that's been built in the logo, in the name, yeah. 
that, that is phenomenal. That that's timeless in this industry. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's their, that's, that's the value. And they, they're, they're, you know, Adam had started to look at other ways that they could, uh, monetize that. And, uh, you know, they, then they, you know, COVID hit another story They got sold. Um, it'd be interesting to see what is the future for gold's gym and how that evolves, but that brand has equity. Uh, you know, they've talked about studio concepts. They've looked at technology innovation. Uh, they've looked at, you know, different, they, they are still, it, they're growing internationally more than they are in the U S and franchising and, uh, international growth. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's a cool, that's a cool one to, to talk about. Um, mm. you know, I, I, you get to point. Yeah. If you build value at the brand level, I think the main thing is your, the market will always change. Your model is going to need to change, right? You're not going to be selling the same product and service in five years. You are today, or if you are, you're going to be irrelevant and dead. Right. Yeah. Uh, like even McDonald's, like they're still selling hamburgers and French fries, but you know, they got to come out with, you know, the McRib and they got to come out with, you know, the new flurry flavor. And, you know, there's gotta be iterations on core, core product. Um, and, uh, you know, if you, but if you can build, you know, it's a balance, you got to build equity at the brand level and you got to reinvest in innovation of the model and the product and the service, and you got to build the team and, you know, it takes all of that stuff and it's all hard and, you know, it's different skill sets at every stage of the journey. Um, and, you know, it's part of, you got to know what to work on when, you know, um, you know, and you can't afford to do a lot of stuff you want to do, right? Like early on, like you'd love to just spend a year building a brand, but you can't because you need to pay the bills today and get a customer and, you know, let the brand be the byproduct of, you know, the operation in the early stages of, of business. So there's all of those things to wrestle with, um, you know, depending on, on where we're talking about in the company and a brand's life cycle and in the market, you know, challenges and opportunities and, and, and uh, where it's at. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think where this conversation, I think really has me thinking is like, when you look at some of the other brands that have, made dramatic pivots i think that they've probably looked outside the fitness industry to other industries that have more established to get ideas of like okay what does customer retention look like over not you know a two to three year lifespan but a 20 year lifespan and an example that i can think of would be say someone like equinox right that started out as a high-end premium gym concept that wanted to be on every block in new york because they wanted to go after a specific market and service that specific market indefinitely. And what else did that market want? They wanted hotels. So Equinox started a hotel chain. So people that are familiar with that brand as a gym now know them as a hotel. And I think, I don't know the numbers, but like just from a in, an innovation perspective, it's it's really good. And and that's what I think you need to kind of bring together when you, you know, obviously you've had this initial conversation about where do I start, but then where do you keep going is like, what works in fitness in over the long period of time we know is relationships like that is that is the ultimate that's the key to why people stay around if you've been in the gym game long enough you know it's community and in pt it's relationships right it's that that person that i know that i i know their family's name i know their kids names i know what they do for work all that that's the longevity piece and then the the how do you create how do you scale that is like really the trick and i think that there's there's community-based businesses similar to gyms in other industries that have scaled some version of that really well and that's like kind of some of the theory and the thinking behind what we're doing at locker room and what we plan to do and i'll just get other people to like you know think think about it from that perspective as well look at other industries look at them similar in different ways and how have they created customer retention how have they pivoted with the market 
Yeah. The, the only thing I'll add to that is just, um, and I agree with everything you've said is, uh, oftentimes what you, if, if you're watching everybody else, you're looking at stuff that was, you know, that was yesterday's playbook, you know, and, uh, you, you do need to spend time thinking about where it's going to be tomorrow and making sure the things you're working on are for tomorrow, not for what you're seeing today. That was really yesterday's playbook. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, I think that was a pretty good overview of market and model on a very practical level, just to kind of wrap it up here. If you are kind of suffering from some of these problems and you're a little bit stuck and you're like, okay, well, I've been listening to you guys now for the last 25 minutes. I definitely need to make some kind of change or pivot. How dramatic do you think people can go? And I think the majority of people listening here are at some kind of group gym or involved in some level of group gym. Is the smart pivot for them to start reducing class size, make more personal or what's sort of MP's advice? Obviously, I know it depends person to person, but as a general prescription, what's the the advice? You want to go the Equinox (laughs) route, open a hotel. (laughs) Open a hotel, open a hot dog stand. (laughs) Start selling meat pies, it turns out. Actually, I saw I saw a story the other day. They, they, it was some studio they had on the news. They started selling coffee, and they're just like killing it with a cafe now. Um, uh, and like it's cafe in the back and fitness or cafe in the front, fitness studio in the back now. It was like a conversion of the model. They can split the space in half. Um, no, I mean the answer is yeah. It depends, right? So there's a, there's a number of factors that need to be assessed uh, in in this because of. What are your, where are you committed on lease? You know, what's your staff and payroll look like? What does the market look like? What does the competition around? There's things we want to assess. Um, and absolutely recommend, uh, you know, this is the time you want to pause, do a little research, get some expert advice and feedback before you start, you know, running and gunning with making big decisions that can, you know, make or break the future of your business. Uh, and so definitely, you know, we have an assessment tool that is online. I will give out the link to people. I know to go, it's a free tool. You can go on, go through the assessment. There's 15 points that'll assess on your business to help you assess uh, areas of your business and give you some, some great advice. You can also, uh, you know, we have a team of uh, expert coaches. You can get on the phone, you know, the first conversation, uh, you know, just talk through a game plan, no cost, no charge. You can't even buy anything. So don't bring, leave your wallet at home. Uh, but talk to someone around this to get some, someone to help you unpack it a little bit, because the truth is you're not going to know what to do. And this is where, you know, you need to get some, someone to help you that has done this a thousand times and can give you some advice of where things are happening right now to analyze your situation and just make a, make a game plan. You know, that's ultimately what you need. You need a game plan and you want to make sure you get a clear and complete game plan before you start taking random actions, you know, random actions, emotional decisions are never good in business. Uh, you need a good strategy, you need a good plan, and you want to have the best, you know, advice you can around to support you, uh, with that. Nice. And I think um, one thing I'll notice, well, people often in fitness will make really, really small changes and then think that is going to be enough. So particularly right now, people have like 20 in a class. Like, okay, cool. We'll cap it at 17 and we'll add in like a no barbell class. And like, it's not, yeah. it doesn't make a very big difference. Yeah. Or you know, like I got, I, you know, I have a new, new Facebook ad or uh, I've got a new plan <laughs> for my Instagram content. Like, bro, it's not fixing the problem with your business. Right. So yeah. Let's not let's let's focus on the big things that are going to impact, you know, success and say the steak, not the peas, right? Mm, absolutely. Well, uh, if you guys want to check out that assessment tool, we've got all those links at the mymuscleproject.com/npe. 
so you guys can check it out there. But uh, we will come to you next week with a part two. And uh, part two, and we're going to be talking about finances. So uh, obviously important part of it um, and probably continue the conversation a little bit on model, but then lead in mostly with finances. So important one for you guys to stick around for that. Thank you so much, Sean, for joining us again. And we'll speak to you guys all next week. My pleasure. Thank you, Project, for tuning in again to another episode of the My Muscle Project. Uh, we release an episode every single Monday. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, The My Muscle Project, to stay up to date with everything we're doing. And if you have some time, leave us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes. And don't forget, we have a second show of the week, The After Show. So it's no longer a rest day on Thursdays. If you have any questions for Lachlan and I for that show, head to themymuscleproject.com forward slash The After Show. And if you ask a question, we'll, uh, we'll answer it on the show. Thanks again so much, Project, and we'll see you all next week.